May the Lord bless His holy word. All right. Put your hands together for Okay, you read from verse 12 to verse 17. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. I have, have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. The Lord bless the wisdom of his word. Amen. Put your hands together for both of them. You can go back to your seats now. Interesting, you know, in the scriptures you will read that Jesus went into the temple and they opened the Bible before him. They opened the Torah and he was called to come and read. That is the format of this of the church. I my intention today was to start talking to you about free indeed. But I will do that in the week because we are having Jesus seminar in the week. Now, the story that was read to you, can I confirm that everybody can tell me the full story? Is that correct? Can everybody tell me what was just read? I didn't hear any answer. You always make me come down from this pulpit. Eh? Why they were reading this story? Were you all listening? So can you tell me the story? Anytime the scripture is read, you, you listen with the intent to know. Are we together? Blessed are those who read aloud the word of this prophecy. I've told you prophetic is always in the atmosphere whenever the gospel is read. But faith comes by hearing. And hearing is by the word of God. So when anybody reads the Bible, every child of God should switch their spirit straight away into it. So that you will follow the story with the mind that how does this apply to me because the word of god is always speaking whenever it is read to mother man today is palm sunday and i promised you last sunday that i would talk about the palm sunday i just want to speak about the significance of the story 
of today. Today happened to be a day, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus started his last journey to the cross. From today, seven days, he was a dead man. Really, I think about, this is Sunday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yes, by Wednesday he was killed. I know that you are used to conventional celebration of Friday, but he was killed on Wednesday. He resurrected on Sunday. So he spent three nights, Saturday night, Friday night, Thursday night. So he was in the Gethsemane on, Friday, on, on, Saturday, on Wednesday night. And his crucifixion was on the day of Thursday, midday, about midday. So that on the Thursday night, he was under the, in the grave. Friday night, he was in the grave. Saturday night, he was... No, sorry. Uh, uh, he resurrected on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. So he was killed on, Friday, on Wednesday. So that Wednesday night, Thursday night, and, and uh, Friday night. Okay, so he resurrected... You know, on the Sabbath. No, 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 no. He resurrected on Sunday, first day of the week. <laughs> Let me go back. He was killed on Thursday midday. He was in the grave Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and he resurrected on Sunday morning. It's the first day of the week. I know that many of you, by conventional method, people felt Jesus was was crucified on Friday. But Jesus said that as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man shall be under the earth for three days and three nights. So he spent three nights in the, in the grave. We will look at about, I think I'll do a publication on that next Sunday, on your, on your bulletin. But you see, today, this is what we want to look at. This week, I'll be taking you on Jesus' seminar. The Jesus' seminar this week will be, uh, on, on Tuesday, your Bible study will be Jesus' seminar for you. And then Friday will be Jesus' seminar. Those who are in New Cross, Wednesday will be their Jesus' seminar. And Friday, they all come here. What do I want you to study? You leave your Jeremiah now this week. Until Mama Jeremiah <laughs> arrive next week. Yes? At least you have a break about Jeremiah now. So, when Mama Jeremiah arrive next week, she will continue with uh, Jeremiah. She's the one God sent the message of Jeremiah. Now, but for me, we will look at Christ. You know, Jesus Christ was speaking, if you are conversant with the scriptures... He was speaking in the previous chapter about his death to his disciples. And then Peter came to ask Jesus Christ that we left everything, what would be our portion? And Jesus said to him that, look, you, all of you, will, when I come back in my kingdom, you will all rule with me. And the mother of John was not satisfied with that. And she went to Jesus, after Jesus now told them he was going to die in a few days' time, I'll be killed and also. You will not believe it that the mother of John just came and asked Jesus Christ the next, the next uh, uh, verse that, 
would you please allow my son, first son, to be on your right? Because you are talking about kingdom and you are coming back. So, my, your right, my first son, and your left, my second son. And the others had her, and they weren't happy. That, how can she ask that from the Lord? So there was contention among them. The issue is that it is very, very strange that haven't Jesus told them what matters most to his life? They are still in the business of sharing his will when he was still alive. Some people are like that, isn't it? However, I wanted to study, therefore, what Jesus faced in the last seven days. Just about a few days ago, in reference to this story, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He was in Lazarus' house just a few days ago. But now he's on his way to Jerusalem. Now, I thought they'll be able to show you the video. Those of us... You got it. Those of us who went to Israel together, uh, we, we walked on the same streets that Jesus walked. Yes. We walked on the same street that Jesus walked. Um, I was looking for my... Do you hear? We went to Gethsemane, where Jesus Christ was, um, you know, uh, was, uh, he spent his last hours. We broke bread at that very spot. We went to the very spot where um, he was praying with the disciples and the, blood, the sweat coming out of his body was like the drop of blood. It is very, very interesting thing to experience that place. But what we see in the road where Jesus rode the donkey, though now it's sad, it was that in those days it was just stones and rugged. And um, it was not very easy road to ride. But anyway, he did. And you can see the Gethsemane Garden on the right and the, at the Mount of Olives. And you go right to, towards the left, you can see the place where he wept while he was praying. You can see on that right Gethsemane Garden where the disciples were left and where Jesus Christ moved a little bit further. And the very spot where, you know, he knelt down and prayed. Uh, and then he came back and saw them in the garden sleeping. And Jesus said to them that, can you not watch for an hour? And then they said, we are tired. Jesus said, yes, I know. Your spirit is willing, but your body is tired. You will know why they are tired. Everyone who went through that road was tired before they got to the top. It's a very steep uh, steep slope. So, why I'm telling you this story is that some of the things you read in the Bible, you need to be in Israel and to understand it better. Because the people tell you, taking us around, they were not Christians. The man really was a, is a geologist. And he was validating the scriptures. Telling us that it is true. The Bible is true. Said Jesus, this is where Jesus walked through. The areas that they supposed that Jesus, you know, was related to Jesus, which was not. He said, this is not the place. He said, let me take you to the real place. As a Jew. And he showed us all those things. But however, 
I've been teaching you about a life of purpose. Isn't it? And it would be very ideal for us to, to check whether these things really relate to Jesus Christ. We looked at the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, which says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2 says, Now the earth was void and formless. Isn't it? But the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. I'm talking about Genesis. Now, remember, I told you this, and you must never forget. If God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth became formless and void, why was the Spirit of God calm, seeing what He created totally destroyed? Because verse 1 is an evidence that God created something. The heavens and the earth. Verse 2 is an evidence that the earth, that earth that God created was destroyed. Because God did not create darkness and voidness. And I showed you that in the book of Isaiah 45 verse 18. We are going to read that together, shall we? Isaiah chapter 45 verse 18. I need somebody who is the most senior to handle the projector, please. Shall we read this together? Is this cathedral? Okay, let's read the word of the living God. For this is what the Lord says. He will break the heavens. He will come. He will fashion the heavens and earth. He found the He will not break it to the enemy. But come into me by faith. He says, I am the Lord. And there is no one. Now, can you see the boasting of God that I created the earth to be inhabited? I didn't create it to be void or empty. Okay, now read Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Let's read together. But Isaiah just told you that God boasted. That this is what I say. I who created the heavens and I did not create it to be empty. I did not create it to be void. And Genesis beginning of the Bible tells us, but now. The earth was void and formless. So which means something took place. Within verse 1, we God created the beautiful earth with an intention for habitation. And verse 2, arose. Between verse 1 and verse 2, what took place? I took it to the book of Revelations chapter 12. Let's read verse 7 together. Please. Write these things down. There was war in heaven. Yes. Uh huh. The next one. Good. They lost their place in heaven. Then let's look at the next. What happened after they lost their place in heaven? It says it goes further. That great 
the great dragon. So he was sent to the earth with all the demons with him. Okay? So then, verse 12 says what? So, then he is filled with what? So, out of the fury of Satan, Genesis 1-2 resulted. Can you put it together now? Can you put this story together now? Come on, talk to me. Because a Christian must know the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, those who pervert the scripture will rob you. Okay? In this house, we show you the word. So that you can be the word and not lie. And don't believe deception. And you can defend the word. But the Bible says, Woe to the earth and those who dwell in them. Remember, I told you, you and I don't dwell in this world. Once you are born again, you are no more part of this world. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Where do you dwell? Satan was kicked out from heaven. What happened to you? Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. Shall we read it together? And God raised me up. Can we read it together please? So you and I are seated in the heavenly realm but woe to those in the earth. That's the reason why you see all the confusion Satan is given to them in the world. You, 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 people who are educated academically, they are expected to have common sense. But what the parliaments and the governments are doing sometimes, does it mix with common sense? To be teaching children about a sin, that it is, it is a normal way of life. Is that common sense? I can't see common sense in teaching the baby that homosexuality is right. I can't see common sense in it. It doesn't deal with any, any, any methodology of right thinking. But they are fighting about it. Aha. Because you see, woe to the earth and those who dwell in them because of Satan. Are you with me? So when you see those things going on, you don't have to be worried. Because everybody who is not born again, they are under woe. It's not going to church I'm talking to you about today. I'm talking about people that Jesus lives in them. Now, therefore, why should Jesus see his death and yet he was happy to go and face it? Because Jesus was driven by purpose. What is the purpose for God sending Jesus? John 3.16. Jesus said, for God, read it, read it, for God so loved the world. So the purpose of God sending his son is so that you and I would not perish, 
but have eternal life or everlasting life. That's the purpose. Now, that is no wonder Jesus was facing brutal death, but he's still going for it. If you and I, you were told that you are going to die for England. Yes? With what England is doing now, you will have repented that, Lord, send somebody else. I won't die for this kind of people. Oh, yes. The confusion that has been created in the United Kingdom. You, you, will not, you will not want to die for this country. But you know, it was worse in Israel. At the time. Really, you will see what he suffered from Friday. What Jesus went through. What can navigate a man through complexity is purpose. Remember that. Your purpose in life navigates you through complexity. If you live a life without a purpose, you'll be frustrated. A Christian must not live a daily life without fulfilling a purpose. Now remember, I said to you, whenever you wake up, ask yourself, question number one, why am I alive today on a daily basis? Question number two, what is my purpose for living? Remember? And number three, what are the tasks before me today? Always ask yourself, what do I have to do today? And number four, I said to you, to examine whether your set target today is in line with your ultimate aim. What will it achieve me? I'm going to visit a friend today. I spent one hour with that friend. What will that achieve in my long-term goal? I get engaged in discussions and stuff. What will those things... Can those things help my ambition in life? If you cannot, why are you wasting your time doing that? And the last thing I say, examine whether your ambition in life is self-centered or it is God-centered. It must align with God. If you want God to bless you, God will bless you because your ambition aligns with God. If your ambition is just for you to be rich and be bankrupt and stuff, God will frustrate it. I told you this. Remember this. Believers on earth, when I look at the mass church of God on earth, I feel so much compassion in my spirit. Because many believers don't understand that the word of God is statutes. Statutes do not change for anybody. It is enforceable over both the, the ignorance or people who really have knowledge of what they're doing. And we cannot afford to believe a lie any longer or blame Satan for our own ignorance. Yeah? So, a believer must be driven by purpose. You mustn't wake up without a purpose. Everything you do every day, every hour, every minute must be set, must be aligned towards your purpose. And your purpose must be aligned with God's purpose. If you are not living that kind of life, you are living a wasted life. That's a waste of life. Then I ended up by giving you three principles. I'll remind you again because you have this in your, in your, in your sermon notes. But for those who are coming for the first time. Remember principle number one. A life without a goal is an aimless life. You can write it down. A life without a purpose, number two, is an unfulfilled life. If you do not have aim in life, goal in life, you are aimless. There is nothing to look forward to. If you live without a purpose, 
It's just working every day and sleeping every day, working every day and sleeping every day. You can never be fulfilled in life. And number three, a life without daily self-examination is frustrated. Not Satan frustrates us. It is our lack of the knowledge of the Word of God. Now let's look at the story that we read and see how that gels. We read from the book of Matthew 21, verse 1. It says that they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethsaida on the Mount of Olive. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied, tied there with her cords by her. Then he said, Untie them. Watch this. And bring them to who? To me. Then verse 3 says, If anyone challenges you, or if anyone tries to stop you from untying them, if anyone claims ownership over them, because they had never been ridden, say to that person, the Lord has need of it. And that power drops. Certainly, for the disciples to come to a house they don't know, and enter somebody's compound to go and untie their cords, it takes guts. Now, the mystery of it is that somebody has claimed ownership of that cult, or the life of the cult. But strange enough, the owner tied the cult down so that the cult cannot have liberty. Such are us, all of us, before we are born again. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 3 says, We are under the power of Satan, the prince of the air, the power that rule in the air. And we could not be free. We do things by his command, though it may be of instinct. Satan had his way over our lives. Whatever he wanted us to do is what we did. He directed our mind towards our acts. And so we live the life that looks like fulfillment today and regret tomorrow. Because we are under the bondage of Satan. You can begin to think backwards. Many things you have done and you have regretted. Isn't it? Many things that you did, when you, when you look at yourself now, you feel, you feel very, very bad that you ever got yourself engaged in all those acts. You did those acts in those days because you were under the control of Satan. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 3. But then we were like the cults. These donkeys, who did not have liberty, okay? Let me tell you a story. A woman came to this church in 1991 with her daughter. Her daughter was befriending a man. He was, she was living with a man, but they were not married. You know that is wrong. I can't hear you. Because wrong is what? Wrong. Thank you, sir. you can't say wrong is right. Left is left. Right is right. But you know something with that woman? She beats whatever out of that man. This young lady, she doesn't look muscular, but she beats a tall man. 
terribly that the man will be shaking like that. Let me help you know this. She could not be controlled, so they brought her to church. When they bring people to church and they come to church and yet they did not change, it's because they have not met Jesus. They're not born again. Because when a man meets Jesus Christ, a new creation. Are we together now? So the woman, her mother is used to this deliverance, deliverance stuff. And I told the mother, I don't deliver people. I lead them to Christ. Who can deliver them? For if the Son therefore make you free, you are free indeed. And there is no one that I lead to Jesus Christ that remains bound. It is impossible for a Christian to be bound. Okay, now this is the mystery that happened to the woman. So I began to pray. I advised the, the, the woman, when she's talking to you, she's so, so bad. But give her 24 hours. Soberness is gone out of the window. She was a wild jackal, reckless, ruthless. But you see that she always feels remorse for her action. But she could not stop herself from those things because she hasn't accepted Christ. You know, but we began to pray for her. And then when we began to pray for her, I had an encounter that is strange. One of the days I was asking the Lord, what's the matter with this issue? How could we pray for somebody and the person goes back to her act and conduct? And the Lord took me by the Spirit. And an angel appeared to me and said to me, that night, I want to take you on a journey. And the angel took me and we went. And when we went to this journey, we flew over cities. And I, we came to a city which I knew this is where we were going. But when I looked at that city from on high, I saw houses, huts. But people were tied down like goats at the back of the hut, the garden of the hut. And suddenly, the angel turned my eyes towards a very particular hut. And went to a particular figure that I thought it was an animal. And it was this girl. This woman. And I got furious in my heart. In my spirit. And the angel said, I brought you for this. Because you see, the highest heaven belongs to God. But the earth he has given to sons of men. When it comes into anything within this earth. God will use man in his capacity to bring about the will of God. Okay. They may be aided by angels, of all Holy Spirit and angels are involved. And we flew straight away to that place. When we landed, the angel said to me, lose her. And I took the rope, broke the rope, picked that lady. And as I picked the lady, the spirits that bound her came out of their various places. And they started to shoot at me. It looked like pepper, the seed of pepper. And when they started shooting, everybody within the area started shooting the same stuff. And the whole of my body was filled like, you know, sand of this stuff. But it did not have effect on me. And I got so angry. At this time, the angel had taken my right hand. I took the woman on my left hand, flying away. And I said, let us fight with them. And the angel said, there is no room for that. And I shook my body. And all those stuff that surrounded me fell like... Like just a speck. And we flew out. The following day was a Sunday. The woman came. She broke down into tears. From that day she was totally free. Totally free. Her life changed completely. 
completely. And then she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior there. So, why I'm telling you this is this. When Jesus sent for a man to be set free, woe to the power that says he shall not be free. Woe. It does not exist. So, the story of the two disciples sent into the village is a type of the Holy Spirit sent by Jesus to the world to save you or bring you and I to salvation. Alright? When the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and my heart, no wonder Satan was powerless to stop our salvation. Because God saved you for a purpose. The second thing is this. Jesus said, if they challenge you, say, the Lord has need of this one. It's different from other donkeys. Why did God save you? The Lord has need of you. You are not born again to be sitting on chairs of churches. You are born again because God has need of you. You must begin to see yourself very, very differently. It was not to add to the membership of a church that God set you free. It was not to be part of a movement that Jesus saved you. He saved you because he has specific need of you. And let me help you understand this. Who among those who come to church, you know, have yielded to this? It is those that Jesus ride over. When they brought a donkey, do you know what happened to the donkey? The donkey became Jesus' donkey. Alright? He was bound before now, he's set free. But he's not set free for himself to do whatever he wills. He came under a new master. Are you with me now? <laughs> the former master will limit you. The new master, heaven is the end of it. It's limitless. The former master will force you, but the new master beckons to you. Let me share in your life. Let me show you a better way to live in. But understand, when that donkey came to Jesus Christ, people, they have to wash the donkey. Clean the donkey, because Jesus is going to ride the donkey. Then people have to decorate the donkey. When the donkey came out of where they prepared him for Christ, I'm sure that he doesn't look anymore like donkey. He became a glorified donkey. So, are those saved by the Holy Spirit. Brought by Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ. He decorates you with power. He decorates you with honor. He decorates you with holiness. He decorates you with the attitude of righteousness. Give gifts unto you. So that when they bring you to Christ, you are fully loaded and fully equipped for the journey. But I tell you this. That donkey was not honored until Jesus was sitting on the back of the donkey. If any Christian is struggling in life, ask yourself, who is your rider? Who is your rider? If anyone will allow Jesus to be his rider, your life will be easy. Because as long as Jesus is on the donkey, people sang Hosanna. As long as they saw Jesus on the donkey, they put their clothes on the ground for donkey to walk over. 
That means they gave him all what he needed, and they gave him what he does not need, which they think he needs. What a comfort comes with those who allow Jesus to be their Lord, to lord over your thinking. You cannot do things for yourself, but what he tells you to do. I just told them a new cross now. You know, some of us, one of the things that the devil had done, of course, we know this, that the only way the devil, you know, access Christians is through your thinking. And the only way God accepts you is through your thinking. No man can influence you except through your thinking. Good and bad influence comes through your thinking. So, a man is vulnerable to all these mediums of thoughts. Okay, now, let me help you understand this, therefore. If you profess that you believe in Jesus, and you have a set way of behavior, which you believe that as far as I am concerned, who is your rider? Not Jesus. Because when the donkey came, Jesus was riding the donkey to, to Jerusalem, to the temple. The donkey never changed the path. And said to Jesus, I am used to tie down there. Follow me to where they tie me down. So how can someone say I'm born again and you are going to the joints you have been going before? How can someone say he's born again and he never forgives others who offend him? How can someone say he's born again and your character and behavior of old is still what you celebrate, you improve in it? Knowing fully well that they are, they, are, they are factors of slavery of the devil. How can anyone say, I'm born again, and then you set your own agenda, exclude God from it, and after you set everything, you know, I invite God to come into it. God doesn't come into such. How can someone say he's born again, and you are involved in conduct that people will see, and they will say, if this is what Christianity is, count me out. Come on now. Who is your rider, I ask you? You are struggling with success? Tell me who your rider is. If you allow him to ride you, he will take you to the place of success. Struggling with life? Who is your rider? Many believers have been lied to that when they have failures in life, it is demons responsible. Demons are not responsible for your failure. Ignorance is responsible for your failure. If you do not submit to the will of God, in any aspect of life, you fail in that aspect. You may be a minister of God and you are bankrupt in marriage. Because in your marriage, you are not submitting to God. God will not say because you are a minister of God and make your marriage good. No, forget it. You are the participant in your marriage. You make your marriage what it is. If you, are, if you don't submit to God in your giving, God will frustrate your finances. It is not the devil or demon that are worrying you. It is disobedience that is worrying you. Come on, let me say this to you. Therefore, if a believer finds himself in a position that your life is contrary to what the promise is, what is the remedy? Deliverance? You are wasting your life. If disobedience brought a suffering, repentance is what is the remedy. Not deliverance. Not deliverance. On... Tuesday, I will be going through the exegesis of liberty in Christ. We will look at what the mission of Christ did for you and I. And we will look at why some people feel they are cursed. If anybody is born again, you cannot be cursed. Fact. Let people curse you. It is a good thing. 
I have told you before I traveled to Ireland that I went to do crusade and I was begging them to curse me. All these curse people curse me. They couldn't curse me. And I told them you are useless. If all of you who are voodoo priests are standing and I say you can curse, curse me now with your voodoo. And they can't curse me. I beg you to please kill me with your voodoo. They can't. I said then your voodoo are useless. Because Isaiah chapter 44 verse 9 says, those who worship idols are nothing and they think the treasure are worthless. Those who will speak for them are blind. A blind man cannot tell a man who has sight where to go. If you consult medium, it is a blind man you are consulting. If you depend on the power that is given to you by man, you are depending on a man that will be eaten by worms. Listen to me, therefore. Believers should understand what your life is today is a result of who was your rider yesterday. Where you are in life today is a result of who have been riding you. What is happening in your marriage, in your, in your education, in your business today as a believer is it's a matter of who has been your instructor. To who do you yield? And if you find yourself in a place contrary to the word of God, the only thing heaven demands from you, come back home, says the Lord. Come back. Not go and pray and fast. Listen to me. That donkey cannot choose what he will do. You cannot choose what you will do. You have to choose what God permits you to do. So that you don't retaliate when people offend you. So that you can bless your enemies truly from your heart. So that you can have this skin that cannot be detracted or distracted by anything that is not material. So that you don't respond just like the world do respond. So that you are satisfied with what God made you. Come on, let me help you understand this. Everyone in this place who is born again, you know that you have gifts. Yes? From the Holy Spirit. Yes? Come on now, 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 let's talk. You have gifts from the Holy Spirit. Let me give you evidence. First Corinthians chapter 12. Somebody read for me. Verse 4. I will read it to verse 7. There are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit. There are different kinds of services but the same Lord. That is call. There are different kinds of working but the same God works all of them in how many of them? In how many people did he work? God works in you. Once you are born again. Holy Ghost is inside you. Alright? And if you look at verse 7, it says, Now to what? Let's read verse 7 together. Let me help you understand mathematical meaning of each one. In a group, each one means every fragment and element that comprise the group. So if I say each one here, I mean everybody by singular. That's what each one is. So to each one, there is manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When you are born again, you have a manifestation of the Holy Spirit given to you. That's the reason why it is a foolish thing for a Christian to go to a church that does not fulfill the purpose. Which is Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. It says, they will say, come let us go to the house of the Lord. He will teach us the way of the God of Jacob so that we can walk in his path. If you go to a church where your, the message that you are hearing is intimidating, you making you fear the devil, you have not seen a church yet. You have seen a cult. If you go to the church where 
Anything is exalted apart from Christ. If you go to a church where your attitude and conduct is not challenged into godliness, come on now. It's like a, a person who wants to be, uh, he went to carpentry school and he wants to graduate as a medical doctor. That would not be your portion. I would get it now. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Let's see verse 7 as well. You see, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. And when we come to services, look at what it says here. Shall we read it together, please? Point to each one. Let me give you the formula now. You don't forget it. Ephesians 4, 7. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Ephesians 4, 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Ephesians 12, 7 tells you about each person in the church. And first Corinthians, uh, 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 sorry, first Corinthians uh, twelve seven tells you about each person in the church, but Ephesians four seven tells you about each person in the grace. So to each person, grace has been given. Once you are born again, gift is given, grace is given. Grace is the ability to use the gift. So none of you here that you are sitting there here, if you have accepted Jesus, none of you is without grace. I am functioning in the grace of apostle because of the gift of apostle God put in me. What defines you is what he put in you. If you adopt an office or position he did not send you, you will not function in it because there is no grace to function there. Listen to me. Listen to me, I beg you. Don't work for God. If you are a member of this house, work with God. Alright? Now, let me help you know this. Grace has been given to each one. If we look at those of you sitting down here, you have lawyers, you have doctors, you have engineers, you have uh, managers, you have directors, you have all manners of people there, here, sitting down. Okay? CEOs of various companies. Those offices you are occupying is grace. I, your pastor, cannot just say that, oh, because you are the director of finance in this company, I want to be director of finance also. It will take me more years than you got there. Because I'm older to look for that now. Okay? Well, I will appreciate your position as the best surgeon in the town. Okay? I cannot convert to be. Because I'm not given such grace. If I decide to go and read medicine now, with the intention that I want to beat you, I will never catch you. Because I'm not given such grace. Really, I may be very intelligent in medical field after reading very well. have a lot of theory in my head. If they give me a man to dissect, I can collapse there. Yeah, because you have been dissecting chicken. You think that, ah, what, what do surgeons do? Is it not just to dissect uh, somebody? When they bring your dead body and say dissect, uh, the moment they bring that guy out, and you say, eh, this is man. What happened to you first? You pass out. <laughs> they have to now resuscitate you. <laughs> say, why did you pass out? How can you give me a man to dissect? You are a doctor now. How you will see many of that? Because... Grace that is given to you is what makes you function. Okay? So also in the spiritual, if you occupy an office of the spirit that you are not called, bankrupt. God will will make sure you are frustrated. And that is what Paul called impostors. Now, this is the dilemma. If God calls you to be an evangelist, and you love to be called an apostle, your role as an evangelist is wasted. God does not waste assets. 
So, God will not validate that because your office is lying wasted. So what will God do to help you change? He will frustrate all your effort. You will see those who are apostles raised beside you, and you will see them manifest great powers. And you will not manifest nothing than talk. Same thing if you're an evangelist, and you went to want to be a pastor. Okay? God will make sure he frustrates your pastoral intention, because your role as an evangelist is lying fallow. Therefore, every believer must understand, you have a purpose, you must discover your purpose. Someone says to me, how can I discover my purpose? By your manifestation. Because chapter 12 verse 7 says, grace has been given to you to manifest, and then, I mean, the, the gift has been given you to manifest, and here it says grace has been given to you in, in Ephesians. So, if you do not have the grace, your gift cannot manifest. How do you know your grace? Gift. I remember when I was a member of the Baptist church. My pastor will preach, and after preaching, he will give a talk or nobody will come. Don Bishop. And then he will say, Alfred, please come forward. I will come forward. He will say that to the church, I'm going to kneel down there and pray. Alfred will give a talk call, and he will pray for you. Come out. And I will come and say to people that he's the one who preached. I will say to people that if you have been touched by the Holy Spirit, as I'm speaking, people start standing up. Because grace works. It was in that meeting, one of the days, my pastor gave me a microphone. And as he gave me a microphone, Pastor Adisa's wife, Dickiness Adisa, walked into the auditorium from the gates. And I said, that woman coming in, come forward here. And she walked straight to the front. First time ever I met her in life. By the grace. And I said, you are barren. And she was looking at me. How does he know I'm barren? How does he know I'm barren? And I said to her, God told me you will have children. She was so skinny like bone. Because she lost all the hormone of a woman. She did not have breasts. Her back was flat. Laps flat. The chest now, total flat. Like man she looked. No, her breast is like chest of a man. You have the photograph till today. And I said to her, the first thing is that you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I have no clue of him. What is speaking when we operate in word of knowledge? Is it intelligence of man? No, it's grace. It is grace that reveals to you what you do not know. Because you are sitting in the office that he has sent you. Prayed with her. Let me tell you, among us today are her children that came out of a womb of a woman who does not menstruate. She does not menstruate. She is treated, she was treated in Nigeria, she was treated in England by Elizabeth Gadazi. This, uh, 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 what do you call, teaching hospital in, uh, in uh, Goa Street. And they told her that all medicals have been applied to you, it has failed. Sorry, you, you, you are not a woman. You just have woman organ, but you are not a woman. That's what the professor of Ghana told her. When the professor now told her that, forget about it, we tried every experimental drugs over you, they failed. That was when Jesus sent her, her 
uh, sister-in-law to bring her to me, to Oliver. And my pastor said that day, Alfred Tick preached. I didn't ask him to, to, to preach. I'm talking about grace. Her testimony is spoken of all over the world. If you occupy an office for God, God will not go into that office with you. If you occupy the office he sent you, you will meet him there waiting for you. I hope you understand me. Now, let me talk this about, because I will be talking about that more later in, in the month. Someone say, how can I understand my purpose like in career or like choosing a right partner? Simple. God created in you a grace called passion. And then he created another grace in man called skill. So what composed God's perfect plan for career is your passion and your skill. When you get to a place where you're looking to professionals, you will discover that you will have a passion towards a particular line and you will find it easy in the line to understand and achieve. That is God's will. Are you waiting for a vision where angel will tell you that you are a doctor or you are an engineer or you are a lawyer? So sorry. That vision will never come to you. Because Pentecostal people, you know, we, we, somewhat, sometimes we, we are so spiritual that we turn the thermometer. Now let me tell you something. Therefore, <laughs> So how do you know God's plan for your career? Your passion. If you don't work in the passion... Okay? You'll be frustrated. And it is in the area of your passion, you have skill. Because the passion is there. If the willingness is there, the understanding will be produced. Look, when I went to do law, did you not understand? From land surveying and mapping sciences to law. People say that if you are science today, you cannot do law now. That's what we are trained with. We grow with it. Isn't it? And I didn't go to do law when I was, when I was young. In the old days, when people said that your brain is dead. Abi? Maybe so. What made me break the ice? What gave me the height of success in law? Passion. And I know also that the way I teach the Bible is like a lawyer. I argue for God's counsel as a God's counsel. Isn't it? So, I have those skills. Strange enough, I love physics and mathematics. That ended me as a young man into mapping sciences and land surveying. It's my passion. And when I decided to go into law, what do you mean by old age don't have brain? They have brain. What are you talking about? I saw a woman at the age of uh, 62 just graduated as a medical doctor. And she said, I had the dream all my life to be a medical doctor. And she went and gave back, gave back, gave back. She just went to do the medical doctor. Not because she wants to practice it, she will practice, practice, but her passion has to be fulfilled. At her old age, she became a medical doctor. And she didn't pass, more pass, she passed distinction. So my law is distinction. So no problem, let's go. <laughs> it's passion. It's passion. But this is it, therefore. What about if I now say, Dr. Um, Dr. Shuremi is a doctor. Dr. Pama is a doctor. Dr. Aina is a doctor. Dr. Yeah, Jonjo and Dr. Eh? 
Say, say your name again. Ochia. Ojako. Now I said that I am fed up of all these doctors. I must be a doctor. Let me go there. <laughs> I will know that it's not to go and if they train you as a butcher, that does not mean you are a surgeon. Because you saw that surgeon use axe to cut sometime and they use knife to dissect. And then you went to land as Alal Butcherman. <laughs> Amen. I will leave what God has called me to do to be hunting for what God didn't come to because I never in my entire life have passion to be a medical doctor. When I was growing, I hate hospital because the way it smells. I'm not saying rotten, but whenever I go to see Dr. Cheba and join hospital, he's always smelling medicine and I hate those smells. Maybe because I'm afraid of injection, but whatever the case may be. <laughs> I grew with that. Therefore, if you are looking for God's perfect plan for you, check your passion and check your skill. What about you want to get married? Don't marry for prophecy. Check your passion. Who is, who is the kind of man attracted to you? Check your, 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 your own personal focus in life and check whether that person aligns with your focus. A woman who is very industrious cannot marry a lazy man who sleeps and wakes up doing nothing. You'll be frustrated. Even if prophet, ten prophets say that's your husband, it's a lie. It's not. Yes, it's a lie. Are we together now? So, you cannot miss God's purpose if you recognize that he gave gifts and he gave grace. Now, let me end up with this. If you look at the further story of this Palm Sunday, you will see that after Jesus rode that donkey into the Temple, yes? Come on now, let's talk about it and complete it. He rode into the temple, isn't it? Yes, sir. And they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed be the one who come in the name of... I believe that I'm blessed by so. What about you? In whose name do you come? In whose name do you come? Say, say, say it very loud. So, anyone that comes in the name of the Lord, because they call you Christian, isn't it? You are a Christian, isn't it? So you come in the name of the Lord. Yeah? Blessing is yours. There cannot be curse in your life. Impossible. 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 Don't miss Tuesday, I beg you. On Tuesday, I will teach you, you will ask questions. Any question. Any question. Look at very briefly, very quickly, the book of John. Chapter 1, verse 16. Let me show you something. The difference between Moses and Jesus Christ. Look at what he says. From the fullness of the grace, he's talking about Jesus, we have all received one blessing after the other. That is Jesus. You can only receive blessing from Jesus, one blessing after the other. It is imp- Jesus does not have curse. He doesn't have curse in his makeup. All his makeup is mercy. People who are outside, he died for them. For God so loved the world, he gave his because to die for those who are outside. Not for the one inside. He died for us when we are outside. Okay? He protects us when we didn't know him. When we rebel against him, he protects us. Some of us would have died. I remember I would have died, my friend. He protected me. I can't tell you the story of when I was looking for death myself. Death ran away from me. By God. 
Okay? He said, when we are yet sinners, he died for us. Are we together now? So now, let me help you know this. How could he, who have mercy on those who don't know him, give curse to those who know him? Is that, does that gel? Is it possible? He says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after the other. Look at the next verse. Let's read together. For, uh-huh. Stop. Who was given the law? Through who did the law come? Did you see law given to Jesus? What is given to Jesus? No wonder Ephesians 4, 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. So, if Jesus does not have curse given to him by God, how can he be so cursed on humanity? He cannot. He does not. He has it not in his vocabulary. So, for anyone to say that Christians are under a curse... It is the most nonsensical thing I can hear in my entire existence. If a Christian is suffering from success, it is not a curse if you are born again. It's ignorance. Ignorance. Ignor- I will finish with that now. You will see clearly. The Bible says, whatever you lay hands on will what? Prosper. He said, wherever the soul of your fish shall tell you what? Possess. Somebody says that they put some voodoo on the ground. A Christian step on it, he died. That is not born again Christian. He was not born again. He was just following them to church. He was just following them to church. He was just following them to church. I have been poisoned by witches. I drank it. Nothing happened. I told you I went to the witchcraft center in America. A whole borough is dedicated to Satanism. When I entered the place, ministers like myself were afraid. Ministers who took me there, they were afraid. I can't understand. I can't understand. God, God's people, their eyes must be open to truth. I told them, let's go to the head of this camp. I went to the head with them. And I asked the head of the camp, that, where do you have your power in? And he told me, she didn't understand. He, I said, where do you have the concentration? He said, okay, this is it. That is new age system. Of where is the devil? I took the map, went there. I got, we got to the place. I said, all ministers, come down. We have to remove our shoe. Because the Bible says, wherever the sole of our feet, not the sole of our shoe. Put your legs in this water. And let me see the demon that will remain in this water. They said, apostle, this is where we separate. Hello? Hello. I told them I don't need you people. I don't need the agreement from you. I only did myself. The Bible tells me wherever the sole of my feet shall tread. So I removed my shoes and I walked into the river and I cursed that ground for allowing Satan to use it for over a hundred years. And I prophesied to that ground by this time next year, a church will rise up here. I left and I went to their head and, and challenged the head. Why did you follow Satan? You used to be a minister, isn't it? Because the Holy Spirit told me that. Her head crashed to the ground. She said I was a Methodist lay preacher. I said, then what made you dump Jesus and follow a liar, the devil? I said, you know you follow the devil, a liar. I won't tell you what she told me. 
But it's so pathetic. Six months after I left, Holy Spirit spoke to a young man who is a young millionaire to buy land there, five acres. He did. Three months after, Holy Spirit said to him, Build me a church in that place. Eh? Everybody who works in the council are witches and mediums. <clears throat> and a battle began. He called the architect, design this place for me for a church. When he designed it, the battle began. And they said they would not give him. And the news came back to the law firm, which I'm one of the board members. And they called me. Because they are the one who took me to that, that journey. said, Alfred, something has happened. Your prophecy has come to pass. And we are going to court. We won the case. Standing in Casadega today is a cathedral unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. It is not by anointing. It is by being foolish before God. If you want to be wise in God, you have to be foolish. All your academic knowledge, when you go to God, garbage it. All your argument, garbage it. Can a man argue with his maker? The Bible says something you are philosophizing. <clears throat> you can only get resolved with the truth, not with lies. So therefore, Jesus entered the temple. When he entered the temple, what did he do? He drove away all who are buying and selling. You know those who are buying and selling in church? They are the people who gossip in church. They are the people who, when the truth is preached, they will come to the weak, weaklings among the church to try to convince them that, don't you think that there are other truths? They are the ones who run down People who are zealous for God. And they will say that, look at him. They will say that he's obeisance. They will say that your zeal, they will, they, will, they will give your zeal some nickname. Forgetting that a man must be zealous to something in life. Either you are zealous to good thing or bad thing. You have a zeal to something. And the one who turned his zeal towards God, in accordance with the word of God, so that he can get himself a better tomorrow in God and he can be an instrument in the hands of God. You see this guy who comes to church and tells you that, do you think all those things they are saying is true? <laughs> you have to open your mouth and say, get it behind me, Satan. Don't say it in your mind. Say it loud so that they can hear you. That you are calling them Satan. You call me Satan. Yes, you are Satan. If you don't do that, they will not get away from you. Because, you see, every shipwreck of a believer came by negative influence. Not by demons. Even if demons speak, they speak to your mind. Alright? You have to be able to recognize the voice of God from the voice of Satan. Either he speaks through man or through spirits. And you cannot recognize it unless you know the word of God. Are we together now? Jesus drove out those who are buying and selling in church. The same way he will do when he comes back again. When he comes back again, anybody who goes to church, whatever they call you, Pentecostal, Roman Catholic, or, or Evangelical, or Baptist, it doesn't matter what they call the church. Anyone who goes to church and you are not following the precept of godliness, he will wipe you off. No mercy in the next coming of the Lord. No mercy. Someone says, that first I'm concerned, wait. Wait. No student who goes to university and do it as fast as concerned, on the day of graduation, they won't have a garment. When I went to do law, my first degree in law, when we went to graduate, not all of us who started, half of us have, were not in graduation. Okay? 
when I started my LLM, we were about um, 36 or so. By the time we got to the second year, we were 15. What happened to the others? What happened to the others? Not everyone who goes to school graduates. Unless those who play according to the rules of the school and the rules of education, you cannot enter heaven unless you play to the rules of godliness. Without holiness, no man shall what? See God. Therefore, Jesus drove those who are blind and silent. So, after cleaning the temple, what happened? The Bible says the lame and the blind came to him and he healed them all. That's the next story. A place where there is God, he does miracles. Any gathering of people who say that this is gathering of God's people, if God does not do miracle, I will question whether God is there. Anywhere he went, he was doing good. Hallelujah, somebody. Amen, I love it. He, the blind and the lame came. And up till today, we come to the church blind, but he gives us sight by the word. We come to the church, you know, incarcerated. But he heals our paralysis. We become people who run. We become people who cannot be stopped. We come to the church bamboozed. When we look into law and grace on, on, on Tuesday, you will be shocked. I read in the book of Galatians, it said the law was put in place to lead us to Christ. Now that Christ has come, we are no more under the supervision of the law. Listen to me. There is success in Christ. Come on now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus now said, It is written, My house shall be called what? The house of prayer. My house shall be called the house of prayer. What is this saying? To all believers, pray in this house. Pray when you go to the house of God. Pray. Can a person say, I belong to a church that pray daily, and you are not in the daily prayer? Where is your membership? Sunday? No, Sunday is for free. It's free for all. You know this one I'm talking to you. I'm just chatting. But you want to see real thing. Come in the midweek. Tomorrow, every Monday here, we have intercession meeting, open to all, but compulsory for all ordained. Seven o'clock. That is where we groom you to pray. A Christian who prays and nothing happens, something is wrong. I do not believe in retreats when it comes to good things. I do not believe anyone can hinder me because the Bible says so. And if you come to this house, no one can hinder you. You are the only one who can set limits to yourself. Listen to me. No one, either spirit or man, can hinder anyone who is in Christ's tabernacle. Unless you set limits. You will set the limit if you don't believe what I say or do what I say. I have said it. I have taught you. I have done it. And it works. It works. I'm not teaching you what I did not do. And it's not by anointing, it is by knowledge of God. Believe in God, you shall be established. Believe in prophets, you prosper. Therefore, we're going to rest our case here today. I want you to recognize that 
Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set you and you and you and you and you free. Someone paid with his blood, his life. When we look at the suffering of Christ on Friday, you will be shocked. Jesus was totally stripped naked. He did not have pants. They tore everything on him and stripped him naked on the cross. He didn't go to the cross. You know, when you see Jesus on, on this cross that they handed over to we Christians, you see a, a cloth. there was no cloth on him at all. They have taken the cloth that he was wearing. They were casting lot with it. He was stark naked. And I will tell you the reason why he had to be stark naked on Friday. Everything they did to Jesus is prophetically significant. And it, is, it goes back to the book of Genesis. And I will help you understand the significance. You know something about God? When you understand the truth, what a liberty will come. What a liberty will come. It was not for frustration that Jesus set us free. It is for freedom. By the grace of God, I will come back to you. From tomorrow, we are going to go into our prayer. We meet here at 7 o'clock. Join us. Everybody join us. Those of you watching live, get ready. I want the video section to cover every day this week. Because I expect, when people pray, God speaks. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. I say, when, God, when people pray, God speaks. Amen. I can't hear you say amen. amen. I can't hear you say amen. amen. So video must cover it because when God begins to speak about United Kingdom, you must be there. Some people are asking me, that, what is the problem? How, what is going on in UK? Where are we going? Where are we not going? You want to know? Tomorrow meet me here. 7 o'clock, we will reach heaven. And God will pour His Spirit power upon everyone. This is Passion Week. We call it Passion Week. Passion so that our passion be renewed for Christ. So that what the Bible says you are is what you will become. That is what will be of you. I promise you that this week I'll be sharing with you, apart from God imparting visions and prophecies and stuff, we will hear God clean clear. What is, where are we going? We'll know it. But I'll be sharing with you what really is the government talking about. All this jargon you have been hearing on television, backstop, what does it really mean in reality? Um, Brexit, what does that really mean? Where did, it be, where did it begin from? The first time the word Brexit was mentioned, I will tell you, in this country. What does it mean? Where are we going intellectually? What, what does the single market mean, by the way? So that you will be able to be informed. When we go to the polls to vote, you can vote with understanding. Do we get it now? And I would allow you to ask me any question, because that is the area I did my major. So, any question, God allowed me to study that, because God knows that they are going to confuse all of us. Okay? So, in the area of all what they are saying in Brexit, on the, on, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know um, single markets, all the beastie what they are saying, any terminology, come and tell me, SCA, we will look at it, and I will help you get understanding. But when I teach you on Tuesday... I'm teaching you on your liberty in Christ. I want you to get me any question that you can. Let me tell you my own, uh, 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 you know, uh, 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 provocations these days. No Christian can be cursed. If you think contrary, come, ask me questions and show me the scriptures that tells you that. Alright? Anyone born again does not need deliverance of any mortal man. It is a taboo. If you think contrary... Come, get me the scripture. Understand that in this church, you can question your overseer. 
Alright? And any question you ask is not foolish. It is a sincere question out of a sincere curious heart to know. I will not be angry because you ask a particular question. I will not see it as an attack. I will just show you what the scripture says. Do we get it now? Because you must know the truth. God said, ye works of my hand, command ye me. So, the same thing applied to bishops, general overseer, bishop, pope. If we teach you something, if you think that it is contrary to what you think is right, ask us. So, Tuesday will be that. You ask me any question, really what I would do is that you will write it, you don't need to put your name. I think that is be- very better. Why, why you didn't answer me? At least you are an undercover. So that we don't know who asked it, and you can be free to ask a sincere question from your heart. And I will show you the scripture. The scripture I will show you will be direct, verbatim, and clean and clear. So that we can leave this place on Tuesday without any unreasonable or reasonable doubt. But this morning, thank you for listening to the word of the living God. Shall we rise up together on our feet, please? We are going to pray. You know, the prayer we are going to pray is so simple. I want us to pray from the book of John. You know that John 3, from verse 16, Jesus was talking about his mandate. Yes? But if you look at verse 19, Jesus says something. He says the verdict, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. (laughs) I love it when I read it. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Light has come into the world. Come on now. We're going to thank God for sending Jesus. We're going to thank God for the light of God called Jesus that has come into the world. Shall we begin the prayer of thanks? Thank you, Father, for the light has come into the world. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for letting me know the light. Thank God. Thank God. We don't love darkness. We love light. Thank God for Jesus. He says the light shines in darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome or comprehend it. Thank God for the power of the light. Thank God for the light that drives away darkness. Thank God for the light that overthrows the schemes of Satan. Thank God for the light that cleanses our heart and mind, purifies us. Lift up your voice and thank God for the light. The light has come.
Now begin to apply a prayer. The light, Lord, let your light shine in my life. Let your light shine in my body. Let your light shine in my mind. Let your light shine in my marriage. Let your light shine in my academics. Let it shine in my business. Let it shine in the intentions of my heart. Begin to declare the name of the Lord. The light has come. It is past participle. It has come. And it has come never to know to go. Begin to call the light of God to shine in your life. The light of God to shine in your body. If you have sickness in your body right now, you are getting healed right now as you are speaking. The light of God take over your mindset. There is a need for change of mind unto God, not unto man. Begin to pray. Fill my mind with your light, O God. You must not live a life of regret any longer. A life that you live today and regret tomorrow, it shall never be your portion. Begin to ask God, let your light shine in my heart. Let your light shine in my mind. Let your light shine in my heart. Let your light shine in my mind. Understand not how long you pray, but how effective your spirit is praying. As you are speaking, God is doing it. Let your light shine on my ways. Illuminate my path in life, O God. Give me inspiration by your light, O God. Pray and tell the Lord. Shine your light in my church. Shine your light in my neighborhood. Shine your light in my country. Britain need the light of God in the parliament right now. Everybody is confused. Shine your light in my parliament. Bring a consensus into parliament, Lord. According to the illumination of heaven. To get out of this mess. Light stands for revelation. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' anointed name we are prayed. Lord, I pray for all these people and those who are watching me all over the world. As I'm speaking to you, India is connected. Canada, United States, and some countries in Africa. And some people from the Middle East. And others from Europe. Father, you sent the light into the world. And you made a covenant with us. That anyone who received the light cannot be overcome by darkness. For the light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend. I decree, Satan will not be able to comprehend you. Oh Lord my King, today we have asked you to shine your light in every aspect of our lives. Those who are standing before me or those who are hearing my voice that are in confusion, I command receive illumination in your mind. By dreams, by visions, by revelation. Receive illumination and direction. If there be anyone standing before me or hearing my voice that you have been bound by Satan. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be subject by the yoke of slavery. So I command the powers and bondage of hell to be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. Those who are rebellious in their hearts, I command a change of heart. Receive in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
How long shall a man resist his maker? Father, I ask for the spirit of repentance. I ask for the spirit of repentance. Untie the donkeys in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It says when you enter the, the, the next city, you will see a donkey and a cord tied down. Loose them, says the Lord. Anyone bound under my voice, you are set loose in the name of Jesus Christ. It says when the owner, previous owner challenge you, say to them, the Lord has need of him. I say, anyone under my voice that is bound by the ideologies of men, Anyone under my voice bound by the power of Satan. Lose in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to turn their heart towards the Lord. Let salvation be revealed to every heart. The love of God that permeates every membrane, reach out to everyone that is hearing me. Bring salvation. Bring repentance. Bring restoration. And bring deliverance in Jesus' anointed name. As you live for this week, I say, it shall be a glorified week for you. As the Lord Jesus write over your heart and mind, your consent shall be given to Christ alone. I say, the spirit of deception shall fail over you forever. I say, that the Lord will lead you to where he has prepared for you in this week. I say, on your journey this week into your future, may the Holy Spirit fortify you and open floodgates of opportunities for you. The Lord bring along your path, helpers of destiny, people that God has given the resources and potential to propel your destiny forward, the Lord shall bring you across them. They will use that which they have to prosper you. The Lord will open floodgates concerning you. Mercy and favor shall flood over you. In this new week, in the name of Jesus, the impossible of your life shall be made possible. When we shall meet for prayer, every day shall be testimony. From tomorrow, as we meet for prayer, every day shall be testimony. Lord, I pray, strength to pray, strength to persevere, strength to seek your faith, and strength to walk in godliness, I say. Receive in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. May the Lord empower you. May the Lord fortify you. May the Lord make you into a fortified city. Everything written concerning you by God shall be fulfilled. Our King and our Lord we worship you. In Jesus' holy name we are prayed. I can't hear your amen. Somebody say amen. Put your hands together for the king of heaven. Turn to someone beside you and greet them. Uh, happy Palm Sunday. Except you don't have your own palm. I was given my palm from New Cross Church. When you are coming next year, get a palm. It is uh, Dickness uh, Alice who gave us this palm in New Cross. Well, please be seated. Before we have our offering and um, bring this ministry to a close, I would like to welcome anyone worshiping with us for the first time. If you are coming into this church for the first time, 
Could you please wave your hands where you are? We have a little gift to give you, anybody. Please stand up. We want to welcome you. Yes. You are very, very welcome. I want those of you around them to give them a hug for me and a handshake. Please keep standing. We have a little gift we'll give you before you sit down.